Okay, hello, I'm Alison Gilmore. I'm the head of the South End Essex and Thurrock Domestic Abuse Partnership. Joining me on today's podcast, I've got Cheryl Gerard, the Associated Designated Nurse for Safeguarding for the Mid-Essex Safeguarding Team, Louise McSpadden, the Safeguarding Service Manager for Essex County Council, and Ruth Murdoch, who is the Strategic Lead Quality Assurance in Thurrock's Children's Services. This podcast is a collaboration across the Children and Adult Safeguarding Boards and Partnerships in South End Essex and Thurrock, and the South End Essex and Thurrock Domestic Abuse Partnership Board. We've looked at several reviews across all seven boards and a common theme is the concept of Think Family. No matter what your role, everyone can bring some Think Family to their work, whether you're working with an older person, a working aged adult or a family with children. Sometimes visits might be carried out face to face, but sometimes it's through a telephone or video call and if that's the case, think about how you can make sure it's convenient to speak and that it's safe for them to do so. We hope that this podcast poses some questions for you to think about and enhance the work you do with families. We would also encourage you to have conversations with others about some of the ideas we're going to be talking through. So to start, uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about the Think Family approach. So we have Cheryl Gerard. Cheryl, can you tell us what the term Think Family means? Yes, of course. Think family means securing better outcomes for adults, children and families by coordinating the support and delivery of services from all organisations. When an individual first has contact with any service, they should receive a welcome into a system of joined up support and safeguarding together with coordination between adults and children's services. And in order to achieve this, services, services working with both adults and children should take into account family circumstances and responsibilities. And we should remember that families do not exist in isolation. They are part of a wider network and Think Family aims to promote the importance of a whole family approach, ensuring practitioners work in partnership and collaboration with families, recognising and promoting resilience and helping them to build their capabilities. And contact with any service offers an opening into a system of joined up support and safeguarding together with coordination between adult and children's services. And also services working with both adults and children should take into account family circumstances and responsibilities. And practitioners should work in partnerships with families recognising and promoting resilience and helping them to build their capabilities. A family focus alone may not be enough to address the problems faced by some parents with complex health needs, nor will it be necessary to prevent a child from suffering harm. The adults' problems need to be addressed through specific clinical expertise and services, just as children's problems need to be, but or those requiring a family whole approach. Thanks, Cheryl. As we continue to go through the podcast, we'd like you, the listener, to have a bit of a think about what family means to you and how this may influence your work. So, Cheryl, for example, during a first home visit, how do you get a picture of who's in the family and who supports that, that family? I would ask the person who I am visiting who is living in the house with them, who comes and visits the house regularly and who is important to them in their day to day life. Often I would then put this all on a piece of paper and try and draw links between the different people using genograms, for example, and bearing in mind there may be influential people in the family circle who don't visit regularly, for example, if they live abroad. So Cheryl, who do you consider as family? To me, family could mean many things to different people, 
For example, it could be blood relatives. It could be community, cultural or religious groups, or it could be friends. It's about who is involved in their everyday life. So that be, could be quite a lot of people. It could, but it is really important to get a picture of who is in that person's life or perhaps even see that the person does not have any support at all. So what would you then do if a person has no support? Well, we would talk to them further as this may be about the way they are feeling and then we would look at potential opportunities for them to connect with others. That might be through a befriending service, volunteers or attending social events. And training and employment is another avenue we would look at to build confidence and self-esteem. So what would you do if they were still not interested in any of that? Well, then we would ensure that they are safe and that they know where to go if they change their mind. And would something different happen if children were in the home? Well, if there were children in the home, then we would need to assess whether they are safe and to build a picture of their world, what school or play groups they go to, for example. No matter who we are supporting, it is good practice to find out if there are any other organisations involved within the household. So you could end up with quite a lot of information about a family. So what would you do with all that information? Well, it would be it would depend if the person I am working with agrees, then I may talk to the other organisations that are working with them. This decision would be based on risk and consent. Thanks, Cheryl. That's been really helpful. Um, so we're now going to think through what reviews have taught us and what good practice looks like. Uh, to talk us through this, I'm going to bring in Louise and Ruth. Um, so starting with Louise, uh, Louise, can you tell us what recent reviews have taught us? Yeah, sure. So evidence from reviews continues to highlight cross-generational issues within families, including a whole range of circumstances where family relationships and dynamics have been factors, for example. So one of the things that has been concerning is the impact of the adult problems on children or even the impact on their parenting capacity hasn't always been recognised or responded to. Or families where dementia has changed the family dynamics and family members are struggling to cope and don't know where to turn. Aging parents unable to continue to care for their vulnerable adult children um, is also a really crucial point as many um, aging parents are actually acting as carers for their for their grown up children. Parents trying to support their adult children with significant addiction issues or mental health problems. A victim of domestic abuse who had who attempts to end an abusive relationship and the escalation of incidents as a result of either child contact or disputes over custody or going to court. Recognising the role of carers and young carers in the family situation and what they have to do and whether that's over and above what would be expected of a, ch a child of that age and stage in any other family. Stalking behaviours from an ex-partner and consideration of the potential for multiple and secondary victims from that behaviour. Recognising that children are also victims of domestic abuse in what they see and hear within their family networks. The role of fathers and men and including their voice in our work can be really hard to gather sometimes. And to not make assumptions about mental capacity due to health conditions. And then, of course, loss of employment and poverty and what that means to families and how it changes the system. Thanks, Louise. And I think that is really interesting because obviously that's what we see in a lot of our reviews. And I think we get several of those themes coming out. So uh, really helpful to highlight those. 
So turning to Ruth, Ruth, can you give us some idea for best practice around this? Uh, yes, certainly. Um, having an identified lead professional who coordinates the agencies involved, especially where there's complex needs or a lot of agencies. Uh, ensuring carers are offered appropriate support, including recognition that the carer may be caring for multiple family members. Early help may occur at any point in a person's life and should include interventions for emerging issues to support people to achieve the best outcomes for them. We all know that best outcomes are achieved if we work together, share information and most importantly have mutual respect. This follows with open and honest communication with the person you're working with and listening to the family will also achieve the best outcomes. It is of course important to offer individual members of the family a safe space to talk to you about any concerns they may have. Risk assessment is an ongoing process and consideration needs to be given to the safety of all members of the family or network. Thanks Louise, Ruth and Cheryl. It's been really great talking through the concept of Think Family with you and what that means to you and the work that's going on. Uh, to end, we just wanted to leave our listeners with some questions or thoughts that you can reflect on. So do we understand what each other's roles and responsibilities actually are? Do you feel comfortable to discuss with other practitioners who are working with the same family why they've made a certain decision? Um, and if you don't, what prevents you from having those conversations with colleagues or other professionals? Are you aware of how to escalate your, your concerns if they're not resolved in those discussions with practitioners? Uh, how do you maintain your professional curiosity? We found this a lot that sometimes people aren't having those professional conversations to find out a bit more. Are we really listening to children, young people and adults? What are they actually telling us? And then what are we doing with what they've said? Are we acknowledging it? Are we writing it down? Are we responding to it? Where can you get support as a professional? Is it peer reviews, doing joint working across different agencies? Is it having more informal networks with other agencies? Building up your own professional network of other, other colleagues that you can call upon for advice and support. Are you aware of the different local policies and procedures that can support your practice? We know that things do work best when people talk to each other, support each other and help each other manage these cases. So thank you for listening. There's information, resources and links to support services about everything we've discussed on the Safeguarding Board websites. We hope you found this podcast useful and we would really welcome your feedback. If there's anything you'd like uh, to let us know about this podcast, then please contact your relevant Safeguarding Board. But we'd also really welcome your thoughts on any ideas for other podcasts on any topic that you would find useful.